Well, good morning, second service. Oh, that's first service was better. Good morning, second service. All right, that's all right. I won't make you do that. I don't do that corny thing every Sunday. If this is your first time, I don't make you repeat every time. But hey, I'm just excited to be here today. We're, we're in a series called Passion. And uh, I was thinking about the different things that we get passionate about and things we get excited about. And there's multitude of, th- multitude of things that we do. And I was thinking about four or five weeks ago that I was helping my parents move from Branson, Missouri to Kansas City to be close to my sister. Um, just as they're in their 80s, want them to be, have a little bit more uh, family close by. And so we got them moved up there. And I had a little dilemma is we had to kind of work all Saturday morning and early Saturday afternoon. But there was a Kansas Jayhawk basketball game in the late afternoon. Uh, The reason that causes a problem for me is I'm kind of weird about my Saturdays and Saturday night, I like to shut her down. Um, It's what my dad called growing up, not breaking the Sabbath on Saturday night. And so I like to get to bed a decent time. I may be boring, but I went to bed at nine o'clock last night. I didn't watch the second half of the second game. I mean, if my team's playing, I will, Uh, but I didn't watch that second game. And uh, so I had a dilemma that I wanted to watch a game with my brother-in-law, but then I knew it was going to get us back late. And so we ended up watching it. It was exciting win, one of the last ones I had. And so it was exciting win. And we uh, were like, Heather, let's get, we get, we get in the car. We're driving out of that little suburban neighborhood in Spring Hill, Kansas. And there's this uh, little bridge that I had to go over. And I was going up over that bridge. And I looked to my left and there I saw a law enforcement officer. And, a, and I just immediately, I just kind of pumped the brakes a little bit, tried to slow down. I didn't give him any eye contact as we were driving by. Uh, but I saw in the corner of my eye, I saw his car just start to flip around. So I got to the end of that bridge and I immediately pulled over. And Heather's like, what are you pulling over for? He hadn't even turned his lights on. And I said, I am hoping he'll have mercy on me. I just want to make this easy for him. And so I pulled over and he asked the same question she asked. He was like, uh, sir, why'd you pull over? And I said, well, I thought maybe I might be speeding. He goes, you absolutely were. You're going 51 and a 35. And uh, I said, oh, man, I, I didn't tell him I was a pastor. I didn't play the pastor card because that don't always help. And so I, I just said, hey, um, I'm just trying to get back to Hutchinson. We just watched watching KU win a game. I'm, I was in my KU garb. I was like, I'm pretty excited. And he goes, he goes, well, I'm sorry about that. I'm a Kansas State grad. I'm a <laughs> university grad of Kansas State. And I must have let out a little bit of just kind of a little, a little bit of a moan. And uh, he said, don't worry. That's not how I operate. I don't base what I do on, you know, any of that. So, but I do need your driver's license and registration. So I gave my driver's license registration. He walked back to this. He was there longer. Who knows that the longer they're there, you're going, I'm getting a ticket. And so I'm like, this is, oh, well, I'd resign myself to that. And so anyway, he came up and uh, my windows rolled down and he handed me a ticket. He gave me a slip of paper and I was like, ugh. And I said, see, he did care if I was rooting for the Jayhawks. It didn't matter. And he said, actually, that is just a, uh, a warning. That's a written warning. Uh, slow down and be safe. And I said, Ema. <laughs> I really did. I said, Ema. And uh, he, he, he kind of quietly chuckled. And uh, for those of you, it took me about three years being in Hutchinson before Greg Hoskinson told me what Ema meant. Every man a wildcat. I just want to say on this day, this illustration was planned on Tuesday morning. I was feeling really good about where K-State was going. I was feeling even better Thursday night. I was like, Lord, you're setting this one up for me. You've teed this one up so well because Michigan State, what an awesome game and what an awesome win. And then it just, it's that 
agony of it's the thrill of victory, the agony of defeat. And but I I, I wake up this morning and I was thinking, well, I almost didn't share that because I thought maybe that'd be a better time to share it too soon, kind of deal. Uh, but then I thought about your coach, and I thought about his passion. And I thought about Coach Tang, and I thought, wow, is K-State in good hands because he is bringing a culture. Uh, he's bringing a culture that he's not ashamed of his faith. He's a follower of Jesus unashamedly. And I was reading a little article about him that he's wanting to bring a culture of joy to Manhattan. And that culture of joy stands for Jesus, others, and yourself last. And I thought, wow, who can't root for that? Even Jayhawks need to be rooting for that. So it was not fun watching them. It had been so much better illustration today for them going to the Final Four. But I think with the coach that you have, I believe you're going to be going to those. Um, but I was thinking about passion and uh, about his passion is in the right thing. Yeah, he wants to win. But there's certain passions that are just above others. And what we're talking about these last couple of weeks and today and next week it, there's more important things than winning ball games, as much as they're fun, as much as we get passionate about it. There's, there's things that are eternal. And we've been talking about eternal things that we're wanting to fuel and, and, and uh, move our passion. So why this passion series? Well, it's really to fall in line with what our passion is or our mission statement, to inspire people to take the next step on their journey with Jesus. That's what we want to be passionate about. And we've been talking about that. And I, I, I talk about it in one way, shape, or form. Really, it's rinse and repeat every week. If you want to know what the message is every week, in some way, shape, or form, it's follow Jesus, follow Jesus, follow Jesus. Your life will be better if you follow Jesus. God's plan for you is the best plan for your life. Follow Jesus. Turn from your sin. Follow Jesus. And it's, it's, we believe that because, one, Jesus said it. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, the early followers of Jesus and the early, uh, the early believers, they started referring to them because it was new and different. They started to refer as the way. And, and it's the way of life. And, it, and I believe it's the best way of life. It's, the, it's, it's a life of peace. It's a life of joy. It's not a life absent of pain, not a life absent of heartbreak. We sing about that. It's, it, it's praise in spite of the pain. And it's, it's worship in spite of the setbacks. And, and there's this... But there is this peace. There is this what we believe is a better life, that Jesus is, is the way. And ultimately, it, it, it ends well in a life in eternity with him. The other side of the coin is walking away from Jesus and, and choosing a, a different life. And we're all either walking towards Jesus or walking away from Jesus. There is no neutral ground. We're either going one way or other, one direction or the other. And to go the opposite way is a, is a way of life that I would say is filled with frustration and fear. Uh, it, 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 ultimately, it, it, it turns out to be an empty, wasted life, a, a, a life that, uh, apart from God, ends in death and destruction. And so we, we do, we encourage people, follow the way. And uh, so whether you believe that or not, we want you to know it's okay to belong before you believe, but we do believe that it is the good life. And we're seeking for everyone to uh, find this in their life, that your passions will determine your path. Your passions and our passions and the things that we're passionate about are the things that we do. The things that we're passionate about are what give us determination despite the setbacks and despite the frustrations. We will press through on things that we're passionate about. So we want to be passionate about the right things and not, not things that are temporal that will lead to an empty, wasted life, but things that are eternal that will last forever. So the goal of this series is to feed that passion. 
of this better way of life that God has for you, what we call the good life. So today is about pursuing God in purity. Um, we've talked about a couple things. I'll share that in a minute. But today we're talking about uh, uh, pursuing purity with God, pursuing a pure relationship, not a, not a perfect, no one's, no one's perfect, but we're seeking a life that, it, that I would compare it this way. Hello? Did I hear that? Okay. Okay. Uh, we're, seeking, we're seeking a life. Um, let me frame it this way. I have some weddings coming up this summer that I'm officiating a couple weddings, officiating a wedding this fall. And there's something in common in all three of these couples. They're all excited. Remember that? They were, I mean, they were all, they're all excited. They're anticipating. They can't wait. I mean, they're ready for the big day. And we celebrate it with them. I mean, it's something we do in our, in our society and culture. And we, we celebrate this big day, this celebration when two are united as one. And it's a great celebration. But those of us that, and it's, it's quite easy uh, when they're standing in front of me and they're Googling each other and their eyes are gazed upon one another, those words just flow off the lips quite easily. The I do's and the vows, for, and they come off the lips rather easily. But those that are not putting this down, because we were all at that point and, all, and it's an important time and it's a great celebration and it's a huge commitment, but anyone that's been married or is married now knows that the work is now. The work is now beginning because now marriage requires work. Um, I think about uh, Ruth Stark as I look out here today amongst the crowd. I think about Ruth and Dr. Gerald Starkey 70 years last June. That doesn't happen without a lot of work, without a lot of forgiveness, with a lot of forbearing with each other's weaknesses. Uh, and when you're battling Alzheimer's at the end, that, that requires work. It's easy to say yes and I do. What's hard is to fulfill uh, that, that commitment. So um, I would equate it in this way. When we come to Jesus, it's a great and exciting thing. When we receive his grace and his love, his mercy and his forgiveness and we invite him into our heart and life as our savior, it is a great thing. It's an exciting thing, but that's the easy part because it's a gift. It's something that is given to us free. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. It's given to us. But we know this, that that's just the, that's just the beginning in a few weeks, we're going to have some baptisms here on Easter Sunday. I love baptism Sundays. It's like a wedding. We celebrate a decision to, to enter into relationship with Jesus Christ and to follow him. We celebrate the start of that journey. But it's, it's not the end of the journey. It's just the start. It's just the middle. It's just the beginning. Jesus told us that uh, he gave us these words to us. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And... Teach them to obey everything I command them. So it's wonderful we celebrate baptism. It's wonderful we celebrate a wedding. But then there's work that goes into it. There's that's work that's involved. In, and so it's receiving God's grace and forgiveness. And uh, in, a, in, in the same way, it, it, when we follow God, it takes effort and it takes, um, takes determination. Here's some things we've been talking about so far if you missed. The first week we talked about a passionate relationship with God requires prayer. Simply, it's communication. When we're in a relationship, in any healthy relationship, requires good communication. When the communication breaks down, the relationship, excuse me, the relationship breaks down. When, when the communication ceases, doubt comes into the re relationship, division comes into the relationship. Uh, it just nothing, but communi good communication brings the, and that's what prayer is. And the way God communicates to us is one, through his word. 
Uh, he communicates through the quiet spirit, the Holy Spirit, the whisper of the Holy Spirit, um, sometimes louder than others. He communicates to us through the church, maybe through a message, sometimes through circumstances, sometimes through other people. But God speaks to us in many different ways. But the way that we talk to God and keep that communication line open is, is, is through prayer. The second thing that was talked about last week, Pastor Dustin did a great job. We watched the services uh, along with you as we were driving home from the Chicago area. And that Pastor Dustin talked about praise and worship last week. Well, it matters how we communicate. I mean, if you're in a relationship and all you do is ask your spouse uh, to, for a honey-do list and to get this done and do this and do this and do this and gripe and complain and do, do all those things, but there's not what really fuels a relationship, adoration, affection, uh, affirmation. I, I love it when Heather is saying words to me of adoration. I, I, I like to, that's one of my, my needs. I, I, love, I love affection. She loves affection. I love those words of affirmation, uh, pointing out the many good things about me and the many, many good things that I do. Um, I'm just trying to make sure you're still awake. <laughs> but the same is true with God. When we praise and when we worship, it's affirming who He is. It's adoring him, it's, and that's what we, we do in our worship, but it's not, it, Pastor Dustin did such a good job, it's not about an hour on Sunday, it's about the way that we live our life Monday through Saturday, and the way that we adore him, and praise him, and worship him. And lastly, today, we're moving into this place of purity, what it is to be pure. Let me share what it is, what purity is not. Purity is not perfection. No one's perfect. What purity is, is it's an exclusive relation. When someone, when a couple gets married, they're agreeing to enter into an exclusive relationship, forsaking all others, that they're only to them are they going to they gonna live for. And that's what, and it, that's what it is to be pure. It's not to be perfect. When that couple comes together, they're not making vows that they will be perfect. They're making vows that they will be exclusive to one another. And when we seek a relationship with God, we're not going to be perfect, but we are saying we are going to seek you exclusively. You are going to be first. You are going to be the first in my life and who I'm going to follow. And so that's where we, we do. And, and our, our relationship, all relationships is seeking, uh, and there's nothing wrong with this. We want them to be rich and rewarding. And who doesn't want a rich and rewarding relationship when it comes to God as well? So when that happens, it, it, there's a cost. It's not free. Um, there's a cost to Jesus it cost him his very life on the cross to bring us into a right relationship with him. And there's also a cost to us. Not a cost for our salvation. That's given to us free. We can't earn it. We can't deserve it. But we are, there is a cost to discipleship. There's a cost to following Jesus. There's a cost to pursuing him in a life of purity. Um, Paul says this, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and has given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself. When you say you're going to follow Jesus, we're to give up our rights. We're, we're to submit to him. You do not belong anymore to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. You are expensive. You're valuable. What God did for you on the cross demonstrates to you and to me how valuable you are, how valuable and how expensive you are. You aren't, you aren't cheap. You didn't come cheap. You are of an infinite value this morning. 
So don't you, don't you realize in, in that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Next slide, please. Uh, he says it this way. He's telling a young Timothy. He says, in a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions and the cheap ones for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil used for honorable use. Your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. So therefore, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteousness. There's this, there's this not tension, but when we run from something, we don't just run aimlessly. We're going to pursue something else. So we're Paul's calling a young Timothy, run from sin, run from temptation, but then I want you to pursue something else. You want to play, you, you don't just run from an addiction or give up an addiction, but you got to pursue new relationships. I mean, you might have to give up old friendships in order to pursue something better that God has for you. So there's this running from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living. Back up, please. Righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Purity is not perfection. Purity is not perfection. It's very clear that, that, the, Paul tell, that the Isaiah tells us we are all infected and impure with sin. We all have been given the sin virus. And when we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Even the best things that we do in comparison to a holy God, they are filthy rags to him. Purity is not being perfect, but purity is not settling either. It's not settling for less than God's best. It's not, it's not settling for uh, a less than what God has in mind for us. I'm, we talk about the, the purity being the, that glass of water. And we all know in our water that there's probably some impurities in there, but it's water. It's, and we know the difference when it's mixed with oil or it's mixed with vinegar. Then it loses its purity. We know water itself isn't completely, probably perfectly pure, but it's pure in the sense that it's exclusive. It's, it's set apart. It's made for one purpose, and it's not to be mixed with other things. So don't throw your life away at some cheap plastic way of living, a throwaway as Paul describes it. But set your minds and your thoughts on something greater, not greasy grace or cheap grace. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, cheap grace is the grace we bestow on ourselves. It's the boundaries and it's the limitations and it's the definitions that we give grace. Cheap grace is the grace we bestow on ourselves. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. It's, it's come to Jesus and get baptized, but don't change. Don't do anything different. God calls us to so much more. Cheap grace is preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance, baptism without church discipline, communion without confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ, the living and incarnate. What is cheap grace? I think cheap grace is the normalization of sin. It's just accepting sin. Well, I know it, we can say this thought, we're sinners, it's what we do, and I can't help myself. But I believe God saved us more than just to save us from something. He saved us for something. And, and so we're called to be saved from our sins. We're called to be different. And when we, just, when we just get baptized and we ask Jesus into our heart, but our lives don't change, 
Have we really changed? God's calling us to a place of, of purity. He's calling us to, a, to a live a different life. He's calling us to not treat our bodies as ordinary, as, as just everyday use. But you were called to be special. You were called to be set apart. It, it's not that forgiveness without repentance or grace without discipleship. 1 Corinthians 16, 18, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is sin against your own body. This is the example Paul gives. There's many different things that we need to run from. You're, you're, what you struggle with, what I struggle with may be different, but we're called to run. But this is the example that Paul gives, and I think it's a good example for the day in which we live because I believe this is something that we don't look any different than the rest of the world. The church looks just the same. We're called to look different. We're not called to be better. We're sinners. We're saved by grace. We're not better than anyone, but we are called to live different. We're called to, when we come to Christ, to be transformed, to be changed, to be, to be different. Last week, I was watching my, another service. Ten and a half hours is a long time, so I watched a few services, not just our services, but I watched my daughter's uh, service in Florida, and the worship pastor was introducing a new worship song. And in this worship song, it had the different names of God, and he was explaining the different names of God. And there's more than I'm going to share with you today, but I would begin to think about the names of God. And why do we have so many names of God? It's because God is so indescribable. He is so beyond our comprehension that no words can quite describe who and how great God is. But the scriptures give us a lot of different words to try to help us piece together that puzzle. And I'm not going to share all the words of this song, but I just thought of two or three that kind of came to my mind. And I thought a few of them, man, I really love that name of God. And then there's another one that we might struggle with. I love the name of God at Christmas. When we come together and we sing about Emmanuel, God with us, a God that came to us, experienced our life in the flesh, a God who's for us, who's not against us, a, a God who came close to us. We love Emmanuel God, a God who's with us. We love Jehovah Jireh God, the God who came to Abraham when Abraham was about to offer his only son Isaac uh, as a sacrifice to God and God said no. He provided a ram in the thicket and God, on that mountaintop, that's where Abraham said, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord provides. We love a God who provides. We love a God who takes care of us. We love a, a God that's going to help us. And all the names of God seem so good, but then there was this name of God that I think that we might struggle with, Adonai. What does Adonai mean? Adonai means my authority. That when we are looking to God as our Savior. We're not just to look to Him as Savior. We're to look to Him as Lord. We're to look to Him as our authority, that we're giving up our rights. When we say we're going to follow Jesus, we're saying, I'm going to give up my authority. In fact, we're, I'm, going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to submit myself to your word. We believe that this is the inspired word of God. Yes, written by 40 different authors, 66 books, but that was inspired by God, written for us, that we might know how God wants us to live. And it's not always popular with culture. It doesn't always line up with the rest of the world. And sometimes it's hard and sometimes it's difficult, but it's for our protection, it's for our benefit, it's for our blessing. But that name, Adonai, my authority, is God your authority? Oh, I, we love it that he is with us. We love it that he provides and we want a God that takes care of us. But do we want a God 
to be in authority that we submit to? Is there areas of our lives that we're not submitting to his authority? Paul, in this example, gives the example of sexual sin. That is something that God's calling us to live different. And I'm not here to condemn anyone. I'm not here to, I'm not here, and that's not my, not, not my job, but my, my job is to call us into a better life that God has for us, a life of purity, not just to get baptized, not just to raise your hand and say yes, not just to give your life to Jesus, but then to begin to follow him. And, the, and all through your life, there's going to be different things as you follow Jesus, that there's going to be, con- there's things, even at 51 years old, that there's things that I go, you know what, I haven't surrendered that to you, God. I, but I said yes to you a long time ago, that I don't want you just to be my Savior, but I want you to be my Lord. And I submit to your authority. And so this is, maybe this area is something that I was, I haven't given up and now I need to surrender it to you. Maybe you're walking in a place today and in a world that is going all mainstream. I mean, this is like salmon swimming upstream the opposite direction. But in the way of our sexual purity and the way that we, in which we live and the way we treat our bodies, it's meant to be different than the rest of the world. So I, I want to encourage and I want to call some of my friends I want to call you into a life to take, we always talk about taking next steps around here. And you've taken that step to follow Jesus and say yes to Jesus. You've taken the step in baptism. You've taken the step to get into his word. And now you're in with the fellowship of believers and you've taken that step to be in small groups. I want to encourage you, this is a big step, but for some of us in the body of Christ, we need to take a step into sexual purity. But we need to, we need to get rid of some of the television stations that we have. We need to stop some of the subscriptions that we're subscribing to. We need to run from those things and pursue something better. We need to maybe get out of a relationship or get married. We need to maybe move out or we need to get married, but we're called. And I want to say this as lovingly as I can as your pastor and your friend. It's not because God wants you to live this restricted life. It's because God wants you to live his best life. And the best life is in the boundaries of his protection. They're not there to restrict you. They're there to protect you. And sometimes I know there's different excuses that we can come up with. They might be financial excuses. Do we trust God that he will take care of our finances? Do we trust God that he will take care of our future? But we need to maybe take a step and trust God in other areas of our life and say, God, I've been saying yes here and yes here, and this feels good. I love you, Emmanuel. I love you, Jehovah Jireh. But now it's time to say, Adonai, you are my authority. And I submit to you. I no longer submit to myself, but every part of my life, whatever you tell me, I will do. And I will give to you. Run. Don't let anyone think less of you. I want to challenge our young people today who I believe that you're living in more difficult times than I ever lived in, that your parents ever lived in, our grandparents lived in, uh, even back to the Bible times. But I will tell you, the temptations are all the same. The same words that Paul says back then is because he was talking to a young Timothy that was probably had these temptations and he was saying, hey, I want you to walk different. I want you to live different. I want the best for your life. So I want you to seek me in purity. So he says to you, young Timothy, don't let anyone think less of you because you're young, but be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and in your purity. God made you special and honorable. God made you special and honorable, not cheap and ordinary. 
Sometimes I think we're selling ourselves short of God's best for us because we consider ourselves not worthy and, and, and we've messed up too much and we're sin. This is about God doing something in you, not saving you just from something, but for something to make you special and honorable, not cheap and or ordinary. And, and yes, the pursuit of purity, it's costly. It will cost you something. It might cost you something financially. It might cost you something relationally. It might cost you something emotionally. But the benefits will far outweigh, the rewards will far outweigh as you pursue this life of purity. Your passions will determine your path. Whatever your passions are, they're going to determine the direction that you're going to go. I, my admonish, my encouragement to you, seek the good life. Don't seek the easy life. Anyone can choose the wide road. Choose the narrow road. The narrow road that's filled with blessings and benefits, your passion. And I want to share with you uh, just today three steps that we can take towards purity this morning. The first, we've been talking a lot about it, so I won't spend more, more time on it, is simply to run. That's God's answer. He wants us to turn away from the things that are bringing us down, to, to throw off everything that's hindering us, and run a race a different direction. So run, but if you're going to run from something, you also have to pursue something. So the second thing is pursue His Word. The psalmist says, how can a young person stay on the path to purity? By living according to your word. I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Why do we encourage you to read your word? Why do we encourage you to get in the Bible? Growing up, I was said to me this way, this book will help keep you from sin, but sin will also keep you from this book. Because we can't go both directions. We're going to be like James says, we're going to be double-minded and unstable in all that we do. But we're called to run something, not just to run for something, to pursue something better. And maybe it's running from an addiction, and maybe you're going to have to run away from some old friends and pursue new friends and new relationships. You're going to lead you on the path of pursuing God in relationship with Him. The third thing I would say is this. Humble yourself. Just confess. Don't be afraid to ask God for help. We have a God who's gracious and loving, who wants to lavish His grace and mercy on us. It tells us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's, that's sins of years ago. That's sins of last night. That's sins of this morning. God will purify you from all unrighteousness and he'll make you clean if you will endeavor to honestly just ask for his help. And then David, he's what a great example he is to follow. Create within me a pure heart. He said those words right after he finally admitted to his sin of his adultery with Bathsheba. He said these words, create within me a pure heart, oh God. And I think sometimes our prayers need to be, oh God. Have you ever prayed those prayers, oh God, because you don't know what else to do? You're like, oh God. And that's where David is. He's at a place of going, oh God, I have failed my family. I have failed my wife. I have failed my community. I have failed my people. I have failed my nation as king. I have failed myself. Oh God, and ultimately, and most importantly, God, I have failed you. But oh God, would you do this? Would you create within me a pure heart? And would you renew a steadfast spirit within me? Renew means he had it at one time. At one time, David had it, and he had lost it. But God is a God who wants to give it back to you. 
He wants to restore you. And that's the three benefits I want to share with you as you confess, as you pursue his word and run from sin. This is the results. Restore joy. David said, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. That's our verse of the year. God wants to restore your joy. He wants to renew He wants to renew your life. He wants to make you for his purposes. And number two, satisfying relationships. I love the last verse to Timothy. He said, enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. None of us are perfect. But when we together endeavor to pursue God's word, to run from the things of this world, when we, when, we, when we do those things, when we're living in a confessed life that, we're, that we need a Savior and we need a Lord, there's something special about the body of Christ and the relationships that God gives us. There's something special about the relationships and God wants us to enjoy those things. Do, do we not know that we have a God who wants us to enjoy? He, he's He wants us to enjoy life. He wants to enjoy our relationships. But those relationships that are truly satisfying or fulfilling are in the context of pursuing his word, running from the things that are taking us from God, and confessing that we're a sinner in need of a Savior. And would you create in me a pure heart? And lastly, peace of heart and mind. I am leaving you with a gift, Jesus says. I want to give you my peace. Do you have God's peace today? Do you have God's joy today? Do you need something restored today? Would you pray with me today? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. Father, thank you that you want to restore us. You want to renew us. You want to satisfy us. You want to give us joy. You want to give us your peace. And that is free. You give us that. That is we ask you and you give that to us, but Lord, you have so much more for us. You want us to pursue a life in relationship with you through prayer and praise and worship and a life that seeks to glorify you as we seek not a perfect life, but a life that is, that is purely and wholly yours, seeking only after you, putting you first. Their heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning. I believe that God wants to give someone in here peace today. He wants to give someone his joy today. He wants to renew someone's spirit. He wants to renew your life today. He wants to leave, he wants you to leave here with a bounce in your step and a joy in your heart. And he will do that if you will submit to Adonai, to his authority, making him your Savior and your Lord. No one looking around, heads bowed, eyes closed. That's you today. You want to take that step of faith. And even if you're watching at home, you just raise your hand today. Just raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm just going to pray with you today. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Heavenly Father, I pray in this moment that we're about to receive communion together. Lord, I pray that you would help us to come with what you describe as clean hands and pure hearts, something we can't do for ourselves, something you have to do for us. But Lord, we can make the decision today to say yes to you. I'm going to invite you to stand with me this morning. There are some that have raised their hand that want to ask and follow Jesus. And I believe that it would be God-honoring if we pray that prayer that we pray often. Pray it together with them so they don't pray it by themselves. 
as an affirmation of our faith, but also a confirmation of their new faith. Let's pray this prayer. I'm gonna share some words, just repeat it after me. Let's say it like we mean it. Lord, I believe that Jesus Christ is the savior of the world, that he gave his life to forgive my sins and was raised from the grave to give me life. I receive your grace by faith. Come into my life. I will follow you. Amen. 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 Amen.